Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This podcast follows along with our church-wide reading plan, which walks you through the entire New Testament and gives you an overview of the Old Testament. Join us as we dive into God's life-changing Word together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It's Luke here, and I want to do something a little bit different this week. I want you to step back in a time with me. Okay, I want you to imagine that it's the night of June 18th in 64 AD. It's a typical evening in Rome, which is the capital city of the most powerful empire in the world at this time. It's a bustling city. It's filled with people and merchant shops and, and stadiums. And all of a sudden, a fire breaks out. Now, it's a windy evening, and and most of the buildings in in these poor neighborhoods where people live are made of wood. So this fire spreads quickly. The flames intensify. People run and scream. Buildings collapse. Chaos ensues. And this fire just continues to spread. The fire rages on for six days and seven nights before it's brought under at least some control. But just when it looks like the worst is behind, the fire reignites and it burns on for another three days. Of the 14 major sections in this bustling, powerful, elite city of Rome, 10 are destroyed. 10 out of the 14 sections of this city. So two-thirds of this powerful city have been burned to the ground. And a rumor starts going around. People say that while the fire raged on, Emperor Nero, the leader of the Roman Empire, watched from afar from the safety of his palace. So Nero is implied in the destruction of, of Rome. Some people are saying that he ordered the city to be burned so he could rebuild it to his liking. So Nero doesn't like this. And he notices that two of the areas in in the city that didn't burn, they're home to many Jews and Christians. So Nero decides to blame Christians for the fire. And he unleashes a reign of terror on Christians. Nero crucifies Christians. He uses them to, to amuse people and to entertain people before killing them. He even burns some Christians alive to light his gardens at night. And many Christians are arrested, including one man who has been largely responsible for spreading the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. His name is Paul. And Paul is put on trial and imprisoned in Rome. But this time he's not under a casual house arrest. He's in a dark dungeon. He's lonely. He's cold. He's hungry. Winter is coming. And his trial is not going very well for him. He knows the end is near. And very soon, Paul will be beheaded for his faith in Christ. It's in this context that Paul writes the book of 2 Timothy. This is Paul's final letter, and it shows 
It's a, it's a very personal, raw, and emotional letter. So if you've never known the context of Second Timothy, I encourage you, go back and, and try to read it now. Read it in one setting. It only takes about 10 or 12 minutes to read it all the way through. Just read it with the, knowing this context. Read it knowing that death is knocking on Paul's door. And see how that changes your perspective of this letter. Now, what's amazing about this is that even in this incredibly difficult context, Paul continues his ministry. He doesn't write a letter complaining about his circumstances, saying, oh man, this is, this is really terrible. No, he writes again to his protege, Timothy. He addresses Timothy as his, his son, his child. Now, it, it's clear that Timothy is still struggling in Ephesus. Remember, Paul had commissioned Timothy to go to Ephesus and to appoint elders and to to try to correct some of the issues going on in the church there. And Timothy was in a pretty tough spot. Okay, he's a, he's a relatively young man trying to confront these false teachers and trying to appoint elders who are older than him. He's in a tough spot, and Timothy likely wanted to throw in the towel at times. But Paul writes one last time to encourage him and to remind him of his calling. The writer Samuel Johnson said this, People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. I think that's so true. And and this is really what Paul is doing for Timothy. He's not teaching him brand new things here. Okay, He's reminding Timothy who he is, what his calling is, and how he's supposed to live it out. He's reminding Timothy of some very core truths. He tells Timothy over and over to endure and to be strong. But do you know what that implies? It implies that Timothy was feeling weak at this point. He was feeling weak. If you look in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Paul reminds Timothy that we're in a battle. Peter tells us in in 1 Peter that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. When When you swear allegiance to Christ, when you give your life to him, you gain an enemy. There's a target that gets put on your back. I think many times we get defeated in the Christian life because we forget that we're in a battle. So Paul reminds Timothy, we're we're in a fight, we're in a battle, and we have to stand strong. So don't get so caught up in temporary, temporary things and temporary circumstances that you fail to be useful for eternity. Don't get caught up in the short term. Fix your eyes on eternity. We're in an eternal battle right now. So keep fighting and cling to the word. Paul says that scripture is able to make people wise unto salvation. And all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul says cling to the word and preach the word. Don't neglect your duty of instructing people with sound doctrine. So even in this very difficult circumstance, knowing that he's going to die soon, Paul encourages Timothy. 
But Paul does recognize that the the end is near. He says in chapter 4, verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Now, as we've talked about in the past, there have been times when Paul thought his life might be in danger. But this time is different. Look what he says next. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul knows the end is near. He knows it this time. But Paul keeps an eternal perspective through it all. Then Paul tells Timothy in chapter 4, verse 9, Do your best to come to me soon. Paul wants to see Timothy one more time. And he he says that other people have deserted him. Only Luke is left with Paul. And what's amazing here, I think, is that Paul tells Timothy to, to bring his books and his parchments with him. Paul wants to keep studying studying and writing right up to the end. As we like to say around here at Bedford Alliance, if you're not dead, he's not done. If you're not dead, God is not done with you. And that's the perspective that Paul had even up until the end. He wanted to continue writing his letters and continue studying the word. And Paul ends the letter with, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So just a few thoughts about this letter. First of all, again, remember, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And people's souls are at stake. Eternity is at stake. We can't afford to get caught up in things that ultimately don't matter in the end. We need to stay focused on what really counts and rely on God's strength. Here's the reality. Our circumstances in this life are not always going to be ideal. They're not always going to be what we want. They're not. Do you think Paul wanted to be in prison? Do you think he wanted to be eventually beheaded? No, of course not. But this life isn't what it's all about for us as believers. Notice how Paul lived his life with an eternal perspective. He says, God will bring me safely into his his heavenly kingdom. So Paul knows that no matter what happens to me in this life, even if they cut my head off, even if they kill me, that in the end, I still get to spend eternity with Christ. Even if we go through terrible circumstances or or even get killed, in the end, no one can pluck us from God's hand. We will spend all of eternity with him. So let's live for eternity. And let's take as many people with us as we can. Let's live for what counts. I want to ask you a question. If your life were to end soon, could you honestly say, as Paul said, I have fought the good fight? Or have you been spending most of your time just kind of dabbling in things that that don't really matter in the end? So as you read through this letter, I encourage you to think through that. I want you to think through, how can you make your life count? And I encourage you, take some time, some alone time with God, this week or, or in the near future, and ask Him to give you a holy ambition for your life over the the next few years. 
For some of you, it might be being the best mom that you can possibly be. Or maybe for others of you, it might be turning your neighborhood upside down for Christ. Or maybe it's leading some family members to Christ or your friends to the Lord. Whatever it is, I encourage you, ask God to give you a holy ambition so you can make your life count for his kingdom. God wants to meet you there. He wants you to make your life count for his kingdom. So I encourage you, surrender to him, lay your life down on the table as a blank check and ask him to give you a holy ambition so you can live for what matters for eternity. So let's fight the good fight. Let's endure suffering like a good soldier, knowing that in the end, the battle has already been won.